Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. Well, actually, to be more honest, I should say... Um, Hello and welcome from me, because I've been away from the podcast for six weeks. It was a little bit of an unintentional break. I did have a week of vacation and then some other uh, summer projects uh, that I had to work on. And then I, I worked on the outlines for two podcasts, and I just haven't felt right recording them yet. And so maybe those will be coming soon, but it is time to be back podcasting and talking about some some topics that I think are really relevant to us as believers and perhaps that maybe we wouldn't be covering in our normal uh, church curriculum uh, like on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening. So as you know, you're well aware that the coronavirus epidemic continues to be a worldwide issue. It continues to plague brothers and sisters throughout the world. I know uh, from talking to uh, Pastor Keith Merriman that governments in certain African countries like Uganda and Kenya are still placing heavy restrictions upon believers uh, and not allowing them to meet um, unless they follow certain social distancing guidelines, which, which really places an undue burden upon the people because they can't afford to pay for the the measures that would allow them to meet. And so effectively, the church has been shut down because of the government restrictions. I know that uh, fellow elders at the Grace Community Church in Los Angeles recently wrote a long letter, uh, I guess you could call it a blog post, describing the need to obey God rather than men when it comes to gathering in fellowship. The word is koinonia in the Greek New Testament. That fellowship is the particular gathering together of the saints to worship, encourage, practice spiritual gifts, hear the preaching and teaching of the word, and to lift up their petitions in prayer to the Lord. They recently wrote a letter saying that it, they needed to obey God rather than men because the restrictions placed upon them by governing authorities seemed onerous and inconsistent and were seriously inhibiting their ability to function as a church. I think that we in Ohio are struggling with some of these similar ideas and concepts and I think Ohio uh, personally has done a pretty fair job of trying to allow us our constitutional freedoms and to allow us to meet um, the governor initially. Governor DeWine initially excluded religious organizations from following um, governmental mandates and social distancing requirements, although they recommended that we follow them. But I think in recent days, the mask mandate handed down by the governor of Ohio has really caused some Ohioans 
um, myself included, to be really frustrated about the response. Although, whether you believe in the efficacy of a mask or not, um, wearing a mask is really a small price to pay to still enjoy a vast amount of freedom. And I guess that brings me to the topic that I want to talk about today. The topic that I want to talk about uh, is derived from Romans chapter 5. Well, let me read this passage to you. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I, I picked this passage as a main topic for the podcast today because Personally, I have felt frustrated, and I know that my wife has felt frustrated. I know my kids are frustrated because many of the things that we enjoy doing have been either canceled or restricted. But in the grand scheme of life, in the grand scheme of what we are able to do as human beings, we have a tremendous amount of freedom. And our natural tendency and I think this is the, the result of the curse and effect of the curse of sin. Our natural tendency when we're not able to get what we want is to complain, to grumble, to grow short-tempered, to become easily irritated, and to be frustrated because we can't get what we want. And I think this manifests itself in our home life. We, we take out our frustrations upon those we love and... Uh, in a lot of ways, we, we allow that to be kind of the normal way of venting. And that's not right. We should not, be, we should not be venting or taking out our frustrations on our family members and those who we are closest to. Now, it's one thing to express your frustration, but it's another thing to act out in a sinful way to relieve your frustration. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. We, we, we can't be acting out in a sinful way to relieve our frustration and our anger. As Christians in America, and I'm speaking specifically of Christian Christianity in America, we have enjoyed for literally generations a freedom to do what we want, to worship as we want, to go where we want, to pursue what we want, and we have had basically zero restrictions upon us uh, in a general sense. Now, I think that we could argue, well, they took prayer out of schools and they've taken away the Ten Commandments from our courthouses. And I would say, yeah, that is a, a form of persecution. But does that really affect my, my average life as a Christian, what I can and can't do? Does that affect how I'm able to worship? Does it affect how I'm able to interact with my family or my church family? And the answer to that is largely no. It does not. It does not. But the requirements 
that have been mandated by various government officials, such as wearing masks or restricting the size of assemblies or various other mandates that have been made, those have, those have begun to affect me personally. Those have affected millions of Christians personally and have restricted millions of Christians personally. My children, who are 9, 7, 5, and 3, haven't been able to gather at the church and have children's classes with their friends in over four months. And the reason they haven't been able to do that has to do with coronavirus restrictions. And you may think, well, you know, kids, they'll get along with it. But, you know, they have gotten along with it well. But children, and I think this is really universally accepted uh, as a truism, children need companionship and fellowship with other children to learn and grow and to develop into mature adult people. And so the coronavirus is really taking a toll on them. The coronavirus restrictions are taking a toll on them. And I can see that, especially my oldest daughter, Vera, uh, who really values friendships and values her interactions with kids at, you know, her classmates from school and classmates from church, she's been affected negatively by it. So what does that do as a parent? Well, obviously, that hurts your heart as a parent. Obviously, it's a, it's a frustration. And it's just one more thing. It's one more thing. It's one more thing. And all of these little things get stacked on top of each other. And all of a sudden, it seems like you're looking at a really big thing. Now, here's why I lay this all out for you. I lay this all out because there is a sense of, I don't want to say hopelessness, because I don't think it's quite that far. But maybe there's a sense of despair that I've noticed around, uh, as I listen to people talk. There's a sense of despair. And there's a sense of despair because we continue to see freedoms restricted. We continue to see that the way of life that we enjoyed for so many years uh, may not go back to being what it was. We are fearful. I think American Christians in general struggle with the sin of fear, and we are fearful at what will happen to us. And that's why I think Romans chapter 5 is a really instructive passage, and it should be something that we work to memorize and implement in our daily lives. See, look, we have something that the world does not have. As Christians, we have peace with God. You know, there's all kinds of chaos going on in the world right now. All you have to do is, I mean, let's be honest, turn the news on, go to Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and just type in Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington, or Chicago, and look at the civil unrest that is going on. There is a lot of unrest and discontent, and there is a lot of conflict that is going on. There is not peace in those cities, in those areas. There is not peace between individuals and their governing authorities. But we have something that they don't have. We have peace with God. You see, the unbelieving world looks at everything that's going on, and they are trying to change the circumstances of life. They are trying to change the government. They are trying to change whatever they can change to achieve peace in this life. Now, the only thing, 
and we know this, and we need to proclaim it loudly, the only thing that will provide a true and lasting peace for this world is to repent from sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, I think that the majority of people who are going to listen to this podcast have already done that. They've repented from their sins. They've trusted in Jesus Christ. And they have peace with God. And that's the most important type of peace, because having a peace with God means that you can have not only contentment in this life, but you have assurance of hope for the next life, that you won't suffer the wrath of God for all of eternity. We, as believers, have been justified by faith, and we have peace with God, but we don't let peace rule in our hearts. We allow fear or anxiety or something else like that to rule in our hearts. Dear friends, this ought not to be. This ought not to be. Those of us who have assurance of eternal life and a hope of eternal glory should be the least fearful and the least anxious people on the face of the earth. And yet, I... I, I would guess that fear and anxiety is probably one of the number one sins that many Christians struggle with. We we really need to take stock in ourselves and examine ourselves to see if the way that we're thinking is consistent with the confession that we have made. Paul, in this particular passage, Romans chapter 5, is sounding a triumphant note. Look at what he says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an incredible statement. Then he says, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Paul says that the current standing of believer is in grace. We are standing in grace. That means we are standing in God's unmerited favor. We do not deserve what we have been given, but God, in his loving kindness, in his mercy, in his holiness, has chosen to bestow upon us grace upon grace, that he has forgiven us the penalty of our sins on account of the purchase price of Jesus' blood. And therefore, Paul says, we exult in the hope of the glory of God. We know that God does all things for his glory. God works all things for his glory and his praise and his honor. And we ought to exult in that because our salvation brings glory to God. And let's be honest, The scriptures in the New Testament say that even the rejection of God by the wicked will one day result in God's glory when a just punishment is meted out to them. We have much to be thankful for. We have an incredible peace. And our peace, however has been upset by this coronavirus pandemic. 
our peace has been upset by what we view as a intrusion upon our lives by governing authorities. Now, as somebody who has studied a lot of history, I, I can see that based on recent history, our government is acting in ways that seem uh, oppressive. But if you scale back and you look at human history, let's just say over the last 500 years, the way that our government is presently acting is very, very minor in, in terms of oppression compared to how other governments have acted in the last four to 500 years. There would have been a time 300 years ago in England, 400 years ago in England, when you could be burned at the stake just for being a Protestant. Just for saying, I'm not going to follow the Roman Catholic Church, you could be burned at the stake for that. Now, that's oppression. Wearing a mask does not seem like oppression when you compare the the stakes. It does not seem like oppression. And that's why I think these next two verses are really critical for us as believers. You really want to change perspective? You really want to change how you feel? Well, here's what you need to learn how to do. Verse 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Dear friends, our temptation, the temptation that we must overcome, is to view tribulations as an inconvenience, to view tribulations as something that needs to be gotten rid of as soon as possible. That is the wrong attitude. Paul says we should exalt in our tribulations. Has the coronavirus upset your way of life? Yes, it has. Exalt in that. You should, we should be viewing it as believers. We should be viewing it as an opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow in sanctification. Hey, the whole point of suffering tribulations is what? To bring about perseverance and proven character. Well, what type of proven character are we aiming to achieve? Who is the model for excellent character? It's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we talk as believers about becoming like Jesus, tribulations are the very things that God uses to help us become more like Jesus. Therefore, for us to complain about tribulations, for us to grumble about tribulations, for us to respond to tribulations in a sinful way, does not achieve the desired outcome that God wants. We need to repent from that sin as well. And that really starts with a mindset shift. And here's what I think the mindset shift is. The mindset shift ought to be all right, this circumstance is happening to me. This tribulation is happening to me. I understand that it is an effect of the curse of sin. Isn't that true? The coronavirus is an effect of the curse of sin. 
And the whole world right now is is genuinely groaning under the weight of this particular effect of the curse of sin. And and who's in charge of that? Well, God is. God's sovereign over it. God knew that it was going to happen, and God could, if he desires, stop it right now. But God is using the coronavirus, which is an effect of the curse of sin, to sanctify Christians. And perhaps he's using the coronavirus as an effect of the curse of sin to cause hopelessness and despair in many unbelievers so that they would be ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother or sister in Christ, what we need to do is have a mindset shift and say, you know what? Everything that I have to do right now is stinky. All right, there's a, there's a lot of things that I don't like to do, but I'm being forced to do them. But what's the greater purpose that God has for it, for me? Does God want me to grow in sanctification? Absolutely. Well, how? what particular areas or how exactly will you grow in sanctification? Are you going to become more gentle? Are you going to become more patient? Are you? Do you need to become more loving? Do you need to practice better self-control? Do you need to practice kindness? Do you need to practice refraining from judging others? Or do you need to practice loving one another in a way that makes you personally uncomfortable, in a way that, you know, inconveniences you? Those are some really important areas of sanctification that all believers could grow in. Perhaps, as I already mentioned, you need to grow in sanctification by putting off, ready for it, putting off anxiety and fear. God uses these tribulations, and God is using this as a corporate tribulation for the whole church, that we might grow in our character, that we might grow in our Christ-likeness, and that we might be a testimony to the unbelieving world. Now, let's say that Christians, let's say that Christians are the loudest voice of complaint and dissent when it comes to following certain government mandates. I'm going to limit this to government mandates that don't restrict the church's worship. Mask wearing is inconvenient, but it doesn't prevent the church from worshiping, okay? Uh, reducing gathering size and practicing social distancing are inconvenient, but they, they don't necessarily restrict the church from worshiping. So let's talk about those things. If Christians are the loudest voice of dissent when it comes to following those mandates, what does that say to the unbelieving community? Does that show a genuine love for the community? Or does it show a a rebellious attitude towards governing authorities? Now, I'm not saying that we as the church submit to every mandate. We know from Acts chapter 5 that when the government asks us to do something that is directly contrary to the Word of God, then we must disobey. We must honor God rather than men. But that's not the type of thing we're talking about here. We're talking about things that are really inconvenient, things that are uncomfortable, 
we're not talking about things that are true persecution. If we can't learn to rejoice in these minor tribulations, if we can't learn to exalt in these minor inconveniences, how will we exalt when the tribulation gets bigger? How will we exalt when there's true bloodshed or true jail time in order to maintain one's convictions and hold to them? I personally think that the church in America is soft. And what I mean by that is we are so eager to go along with the culture, to go along with society, in order to not receive any form of persecution, in order to to be nice to everybody and to be a good example to everybody. We're so soft that we have no conviction. We have no backbone. We're not willing to accept true tribulation. And so I think we need a mindset adjustment to look at what's happening in our society with coronavirus and the coronavirus restrictions. We need a mindset shift to say this. All right, I am going to rejoice. I am going to exult in these tribulations. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to let it alter my character for the negative. I'm not going to despair or become despondent. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God, help me to use this to grow in Christ-likeness. Help me to use this to develop perseverance and proven character. Lord, help me to see this as a, as a trial run for greater persecutions that might come upon me in a later day. There will come a time. It's evident that there will come a time where we will face greater persecutions. But let us, let us not flee from the present persecution. Let us not flee from the present tribulation. Let us rather exult in it. Why? Hmm. Proven character produces hope. Hey, when the tribulations are really bad and you have no one to turn to, who can you always turn to? You can always turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think many of the Psalms resonate so deeply with us? Because King David, when he was fleeing from Saul, had nowhere to turn except to Yahweh, his God. And it was in David's moments of greatest despair, David's moments of greatest hopelessness that he he in his heart turned and praised God and reminded himself of God's great character, God's great love, God's great mercy, God's great power. And by meditating on those attributes of God, David was able to draw himself out of the depths of despair and begin rejoicing. Look, that's what we need to do. We need to draw ourselves out of the depths of despair and rejoice. And that's why proven character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. What is our hope in? Our hope is in uh, eternal life, a sinless eternity, where we're not under the curse of sin anymore, and we're not under the effects of sin anymore, and we get to worship 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while we experience great tribulations, or maybe it's only minor tribulations in this life, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because it it looks to the future. It looks to the promise. It keeps the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for us as believers is our salvation, our eternal inheritance, our eternal reward that has been promised to us by God. And look, why does hope not disappoint? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. As believers, we have a unique capability to love and empathize because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. My dear friends, during this time of tribulation, during this time of crisis, we really need a mindset shift. We need to exalt in our tribulations, and we need to be genuinely seeking the Lord in prayer and asking God, God, how can I be refined in my character? How can I grow? How can I become more like Christ so that I can be useful to your kingdom, so that I can share the good news of Jesus Christ? As I have observed what's gone on in our culture, in the United States, I think there are really two possibilities. I think the first possibility is that the Lord God would allow America to tear itself apart and to dissolve this union that has been a strong union for nearly 250 years. And I think that God, uh, in doing that, would have purposes beyond what America can achieve for God. On the other hand, I think that there could be a a fourth great awakening in American history. A fourth great awakening where there is a widespread repentance in our land and a widespread return to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to genuine obedience. And I think that would further the kingdom of God beyond the borders of America. Because America is still the richest country in the world, and Americans, American Christians, have the finances to invest in the Great Commission around the world. And the last time I checked, there were over 2,000 languages which did not have the Bible in their native language. There's great work to be done. And technology and resources are available to us right now that has made Bible translation work, I don't want to say easier because it's not easier, but it's, it's made it quicker than in previous generations. So that's how I see it. I see that, that this could be the event that tears America apart, or it could be the event that causes a fourth great awakening. And I pray that it does result in a fourth great awakening, and you should be praying that too. And you should be a part of that great awakening by having your character transformed by these tribulations so that people will look at you and say, you know what? I want to be like that person. They have a peace. They have a hope. They have a joy. They have happiness despite all that's going on. I want that. And that will give you an opportunity to share God's truth with them. May your life 
be the best testimony of the gospel that anybody could ever see. And may you have courage to boldly proclaim the gospel as God and the Holy Spirit open doors for you. Amen. Amen.